Amilta is not a world where the past sleeps soundly, never to wake again. An industrial accident in Stageport can carry its smoke and terror a century into the future. A carefully plotted ambush meant to end the career of a conqueror can play out again and again in the Southeast Islands. A ship's mighty cannons can roar through history long after the ship is driftwood. But take heart. No comrade is ever left abandoned in Amilta, either. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I am your host, your king, your undisputed grand champion. It's me, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello again. Hello again. This is not our third, fifth, eighth time doing this. Mm -mm. (laughs) Nope. Nope, nope, this is correct. No, this is, I think, the 50th time, actually. 51st, maybe. You added another uh, word to your title this time, and frankly, I'm here for it. Hooray! <laughs> Hello, everyone. That one was Kirsten. It's me. And through the magic of recording, no one can tell if we need to, like, add ADR or we've recorded several takes. Uh, so for them, this is the first... Hello. 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 That one is Nick. Yes, this is me. And the second one is Kathleen. We're going to start with Nick. Yes, this is Nick. Kathleen is? This one's me. I'm Kathleen. We have everybody. We're all here. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party was locked in combat with an enormous horror dredged up from the bottom of the bay. They fought it on the ice and eventually managed to destroy it, but it was only one portion of the swarm. The swarm has overtaken Naka, as it always does when the sun goes down. The party held off the swarm as long as they could, but realized that it was a fool's errand trying to fight all the horrors, and they retreated to the Westbreaker. Once they made it back to the Westbreaker, they cast an enormous cord and Cobb summoned the spirits of his fallen comrades, the crew of the Darling Beatrice. And now, the crew of the Darling Beatrice, specters cast in red, are fighting alongside the Golden Crusaders, resurrected from the Glacier Legion's memory, holding back the horrors so that the Westbreaker can get its boiler running. And now my question is, what do party? Is it our turn again? Yes. You successfully made the Outlast rules to get away from the swarm, which means combat's over. You're on the Westbreaker. Now my question is, what are you going to do? So the boiler's not working. Is there any wind or anything? Could we use the sails if we weren't stuck in the ice? There is some wind. I wouldn't say it's a gale or anything, but there is some wind. Okay. In that case, I think Cobb is going to cast another spell now that he's got all of his scatter back. Yay! So Cobb is going to stand up on the bow of the ship and he is going to reach for the sword that he doesn't use. Which one? The captain's sword. Oh, the one on the left. The one on the left. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is going to cast True Cut and he is just going to cut a giant hole in the ice. Ooh. That's going to cost so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't see just how wide my smile got for a second there. (laughs) No, I love it. I absolutely love it. I am going to ask you for like a six scatter. This is a huge feat. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to dump eight into this just to make it even crazier. All right. (laughs) Just a little bit more anime. (laughs) Just a little bit more anime. Cobb then is going to reach for his saber, and as he grabs the captain's saber, the final piece of the darling Beatrice on his left arm evaporates, but takes with it his coat, and in its place is a bright crimson coat with a large embroidered golden lotus on the back of it. And he is going to draw the sword and cut a monstrous hole in the ice. I like that very much. Mm. 
The ice groans and squeals, makes all the haunting roars that you've become accustomed to, compressed into an instant. Gone is the slow groaning of the Westbreaker forcing a path, and now the ice shrieks at what you've done. But it frees up open ocean around the ship, and in a great gash that makes its way all the way to the front lines, where the fallen fight your battle. A crusader appears as though they're going to fall in, but stands on the surface of the water as if there were land there bringing a spectral glittering gladius down hard on the head of a horror, beating enormous wings in preparation for takeoff. A pirate runs a red ephemeral cutlass straight through it, and those wings fall still as it dissolves to the ground. What now? Um, I think Penelope is going to try and help do whatever needs to be done to get boat sailing uh, I don't know boats and, well, Penelope doesn't know boats either, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's, you don't know boats, you're playing someone who don't know boats. It's fine. Yeah, I guess Tiss is going to roll Daring Survival to set sail. Or do her part of setting sail. Let's set sail. Uh, yeah, so Penelope's going to roll an adaptability. Okay. Two successes, two edges. Beautiful. Two successes are going to do just fine. You've been on a ship for a long-ass while. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it needs all hands on deck to get going as soon as possible. Those that aren't manning the cannons, but... Yep. In a moment, you see that Marcus is next to you. He's got a line in hand and is hauling on it with all the strength he's got left, trying to pull the sails into position so that we can move. Caldas is pacing back and forth between the guns, talking to the Crusaders occasionally casting low, nervous looks out at the horizon. Cobb is yelling and running about the ship and grabbing stuff and making sure that we're getting going. What did Penelope roll? Uh, success in an edge for adaptability survival. Okay. You've more or less got this figured out. You grab a rope and then you hear a little voice say, no, no, not that one, not that one, that one over there. Oh, 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 thank you. And Sod has appeared. He's come up out of the bottom of the ship and is pointing you toward one of the ropes, like this one, this one, Penelope. Oh, th- thank you, Sod. Uh, uh. No problem. And he, like, lashes down the one that you had pulled and starts scurrying around with the Crusaders. You're, uh, you're a quick study, Sod. You're good at your knots. Thanks. And slowly, the Westbreaker starts to move. There's a slight wind. The Westbreaker can catch it. It starts drifting away from Napa. And as the ghosts of the fallen and the survivors of the Glacier Legion hold back the assault of the horrors of the North, the Westbreaker drifts away out onto the black, shining ocean. And as we drift away, Tissa has one more spell to cast. Do it. And that is Sorrowing Roots. It's simple. All she does is concentrate, and we see those little webs of particles that glow between everybody on the Westbreaker and between all of us and the fallen comrades who are helping us right now. And it's just a simple message. Everyone who wants to say it says, thank you. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. Aw. Oh, I was gonna have a dragon attack, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, I don't think that's a good idea, Cat. Cobb and me are all hopped up on the anime right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whose who's decision was it to take two extra scatter there, Nick? <laughs> Look, just saying, Cobb is on a lot of anime right now. <laughs> oh. Andy's using the good sword. He's using the good sword, and he's hopped up on anime, and he's ready to fight. But no fight comes. 
You see wings arise out of the swarm, but fall to the ghosts on the front line, to an expert shot from one of the cannons, until slowly but surely the ice of Naka is a white smear on the horizon, and the Westbreaker is in open ocean in the middle of the night in the freezing north. And the entire ship seems to breathe a sigh altogether. Crewmen suddenly rub their arms as if remembering the cold exists, as if startled that the cold is their concern right now. Ice groans against the Westbreaker's hull, but it's replaced by the hush of water, soothing familiar whisper of the ocean. The Crusaders stand at the gunwale and watch the city that so many of theirs fought and died to protect slip away into nothing and marvel at the fact that they were allowed to keep their lives. Tissa is sort of in in for a penny, in for a pound mode and uses chiming heat to put herself up to eight scatter and, like, just give everybody an opportunity to relax. I think that chiming heat is kind of like new heat. It's something that you hold in your hand, but it, like, pulses. And she walks over to Cobb and goes, Oh, that's his. The coat. Cobb kind of looks down at his coat. You know, I... I think actually it's mine. Oh. If you... Mm -hmm. His was different. Mm. And I think the last couple of bits of Cobb's big spell, the crew, probably a few of them, show up on the Westbreaker. One final goodbye. And it's not just the crew of the Darling Beatrice either. Some of the specters that were summoned by the Glacier Legion appear as well. Walk up to their comrades. Some of them extend hands out. Cobb is surrounded by open hands and open arms. There is a young knight there, probably not much older than Penelope, golden-haired and grinning, in ornate armor that bears the standard of the Glacier Legion. Marcus says nothing but stares. Cobb's got one final thing to say to his old crew. An unusually triumphant voice, even for him. He says, Well, crew, we did it. We fought back. We're alive. And once again, we have a future worth sailing to. You are the finest crew I've ever served with. I'm glad that you could see us off. And... The ghosts raise their sabers in a cheerful salute. Cobb also turns to one of the crew, a woman almost, well, a woman definitely as large as he is, with fiery red hair and says, I'll miss you. And one by one, the ghosts start to evaporate. As the spells wear off, they collapse into stardust. Until the only thing left on the Westbreaker is the living. And a small hand thrusts a mug into Cobb's vision from the side. Thank you, Mr. Sot. I think I need that right now. Thanks, Sot. I, I was thinking about uh, going and bringing up something warm for, for people. He's not handing out mugs. Oh. He just brought one for Cobb. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you stand there with your hand open, he's just going to stare at you. <laughs> <sighs> well, Penelope's going to head down and... and uh, get some warm beverages and, and get blankets to pass out to people to help uh, keep everybody warm after a fight on this really cold night far up north. So she goes down and starts making some coffee and... Huh. Eventually Sot does go down to the galley and get drinks for everybody, but... I think Tissa's gonna help. Yeah. She leans her spear against something and puts the chiming heat on the top of the spear. <laughs> <laughs> and just keeps it above the deck so that she can have two hands. <laughs> <laughs> Tessa. <laughs> just, 
everything Tissa does is approximately 10% more magical than a normal person. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Penelope passes out blankets to the Grateful Glacier Legion, many of whom have had blankets but have not been truly comfortable in five years. Gideon is all bundled up in a blanket. She looks like a person at least twice her size. This would be approximately average size. She's not particularly large. <laughs> and she's staring off at the horizon at Naka with the most enormous grin on her face. Just ear to ear. All sharp teeth and bright eyes. Penelope hands her a blanket and uh, looks out to the horizon. Says, are you enjoying the view? <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous, isn't it? You know, if you would like, I could take you for a closer look. We could uh, take a ride on Polly. Um, she's, she's really good with people. It would be really fun. Aw. And there's, there's so much we could do when we get to land. I could show you Northridge. It's a very friendly village. Mm. That's where I'm from. And, oh, oh, I need to send a letter, too. Mm. We could definitely make sure I send a letter when we get back. Are you doing a good job of that? I've been better. I've been getting better. Um, <laughs> Did you know Stageport is still there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's huge. Bigger than any, any town or village I've ever been to. A little overwhelming, but mm. pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, and it's still there. Do you live in Stageport? For a couple years, yeah. Long time ago. Forever uh, ago. It's cool, yeah. It's, it's, a really, it's a really neat city. There's someone I just have to introduce you to. She's the best. Mm -hmm. just, oh, such, such a fun time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you will have the best night of your life. I promise. <laughs> is it Captain Gaius Riche? Um, Ga Gaius Riche is really, really nice too, but... Archknight Gaius Riche now. Is it Captain Archknight Gaius Riche? Um, Don't spoil the surprise, Penelope. <laughs> okay, well, I guess you'll find out when we get to Stageport then. I'll keep the surprise. <laughs> That's ominous, Fluffy. I promise it's not as ominous as it sounds. She's really fun. Thank you for the blanket. And the invitation. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it's my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to having adventures together. We can sing so many she, 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 sea shanties. Try saying that five times fast. Sea shanties, she shanties? Oh, I can't. It's a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things to see. Oh, yes. Oh, Tissa. Mm. Hi. Hi. We, we, all, we all made it. We all made it. <sighs> you look tired. I'm... I'm tired. I'm a little tired. If, but I'm okay. Um... It's, it's just, I'm, I'm really glad. Mm. It feels like everybody right now, and yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. You're not really much of a soldier, are you, Tissa? Mm. No, I don't think I'd be any good at that. That's okay. I... Wish there weren't any soldiers. Mm. I'm proud that I'm one of them, but I wish there weren't any. Tessa nods and looks up a little bit. Hmm. So that one is really good because it lets you know what you can time things by it. Oh. Do you see the way that it's blinking? I do now. Yeah. Wow. 
I'm never sleeping again. Hmm. I think that that would be okay. Sleeping's good sometimes, though. Sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe I'll sleep in the day. I've seen enough daytime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, nighttime is really good because you get to see all of the different things. It's, mm. um, um, I've been learning when on the boat. Did you know that there are, like, things down there and they're moving and they glow sometimes? No. Here, 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 come on, look. I, I, I don't know if there yeah. are any right now. Let's look, let's um, look. Um, um, well, maybe, I guess not. But Gideon and Tissa still lean over the edge of the Westbreaker to peer into the deep darkness of the freezing ocean. Like sightseers. <laughs> Aw. Cobb is still kind of, like, looking over the sword in his hands, just like, it hasn't changed. It's still sharp. Huh. Maybe I should have Clara take a look at it. Yeah, weren't you going to have Clara take a look at that before, Captain? I was, but I don't think it needs it anymore. Oh. Well, if that don't beat all. Hey, um, I'm glad you made it back safe, Captain. Well, thank you, Mr. Sot. But, uh, I think we had that one. And for the first time, Cobb's confidence feels extremely forced. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You know, when we first met, I thought you were all talk, Captain. It's good to see some of that again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I shouldn't get too good at my job, should I? Nah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? Being all serious doesn't suit you, Captain. And Cobb kind of like rubs at his now bandanaless head. Yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe you're right. Anyways, I think maybe we should get some coffee for our uh, new night owl. What do you say? Yes, sir. I'm on it. Any rum? Nah, probably not the rum, huh? I could use the rum. I, I think she'll be fine. Roger. One coffee, one rum coming right up. And he scampers back down to the galley. Marcus is sitting down on a barrel. He's a little bit hunched and his face is flushed and Caldas is sitting next to him. They're having a quiet conversation. Some of the crusaders have wandered down to their bunks, but the Glacier Legion is still largely awake, looking out at the night around them. Are we hugging the coast or how out into the ocean are we right now? The Westbreaker was just headed away from land. Just away. I guess that makes sense. We were Away, yeah. We're not hugging the coast right now. Navigation is a thing that we can do when there isn't an army of angry, all-consuming trauma spirits coming after us. Yeah, that's not a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True enough. Yeah, we'll leave them to their stuff. Okay. So now my question is, how does everybody pass the night? Um, I think Penelope uh, spends most of the night awake with a, you know, combination of adrenaline from the fight and the extra coffee and the cold. She kind of has all this nervous awake energy and spends the night on the deck cuddled for warmth next to Polly. Just thinking about things, gazing off to the distance. Polly falls asleep much, much faster than Penelope does and wraps her wings around Penelope like she does. Even though Penelope is wide awake, Polly is fast asleep just behind her. Such a good Polly. So sweet. Penelope stays warm and tucked under her wings and gazes at the sky. So what's Tissa doing to pass the night? Well, I think that Tissa gets back on the subject of stars and is sort of 
speaking freely and remembering names of stars or stories about constellations or mentioning, although one time and I was I was thinking about this one, it was really bright. And then I just tripped over a thing and that wasn't the best, but, um, and things like that forward and forward and does eventually just run out of steam and falls asleep somewhere. She's very scattered and very tired and just, you know that thing where you've been having really strong feelings for a long time and then you just can't anymore? Yeah. And so just, like, your whole body shuts down yeah. Yeah. is sort of the way that Tissa's night ends. And I think while Tissa's talking, Gedeon is listening and nodding and looking out at the world wide-eyed and still grinning. And you don't remember how the conversation ends. One minute the two of you are talking and the next Tissa is fast asleep. But when she wakes up, she's bundled up in blankets on the deck of the Westbreaker. And her spear is lovingly placed beside her. How does Cobb spend the night? I think after Cobb has his rum, he spends a long time, honestly, kind of introspective for once. He's in the captain's quarters and he's just kind of uh, enjoying his rum and he's looking at the coat and the sword, just sort of like trying to make sense of everything. Yeah, and alone in your cabin, the sense never appears. The questions stay there, locked in your cabin with you, and there's no one there to answer them anymore. And maybe Cobb realizes that's because it's now his job to answer the questions. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that never occurs to him, and he just wonders why he has all the questions. That's not for me to say. But no one else is going to tell him what he needs to do with his new coat. Well, he needs a new hat now that he's got a new coat. He does need a new (laughs) hat. Does he have a hat somewhere in his supplies? Nope. Okay, well, I guess that's something we're going to have to worry about, huh? Well, he he needed a new coat. He has that, but unfortunately... Doesn't have a hat. No, we need a new hat. And the sun comes up over the West Breaker. Tissa's curled up asleep, somewhere out of the way. So is Penelope, curled up under Pollyanna's wing. Eventually. And Gedeon is still awake, looking out over the ocean. And the crew are working hard to make sure the Westbreaker stays even and stays safe through the night. And the sun rises. Like it always does. And you know that in Naka and everywhere else over Amilta, the horrors are fleeing for the day. Maybe it's just for the day, but it's every day. And that's something. I've got one more question, and this doesn't have to be the immediate future right now on the Westbreaker, but over the next couple weeks, what does everyone want to do? Does anybody have any scenes in mind? Well, I think one of the big things Cobb wants to do is uh, head back to Stageport and check in on the garden. Right. Stageport is still there. Same as it ever was. And several members of the Glacier Legion come ashore with you. Not all of them, and we'll get to that later. But Ampe Gaius Merciful comes with you. Frasan does as well. When they get to stage port, they excitedly greet Chila Gaius Riche, Captain Gaius Riche. They snicker. She humors them with a stern eye roll. And long story short, the Albatross Legion grows a little bit, as the number of crusaders willing to say fuck the North, bit by bit, climbs. And Cobb goes to see the garden. To see, I assume, the grave of his beloved captain. Yep. And, you know, to to check in on the garden. Yeah. See how Lily's taking care of everything. The garden is thriving. It is, as it always was, 
just a vibrant splatter of paint against the overwhelming gray of Stageport. But now there are several strong trees just beginning to bud by the time you make it back. And there are plants winding their way up out of the soil. And when you get to the garden, Lily is there. She doesn't say much, but she waves hello. Oh, yes. Hello, Lily. It's nice to see you here. How's the garden been treating you? And she looks around with a smile and nods. She seems much more cheerful here than you usually see her. Uh, you're not having any trouble with the uh, the special ones, are you? And Cobb kind of points at all the little flowers growing through the kind of swampy water. And she shakes her head and pauses for a second, holds up a hand and runs back to her pack, rummages through it. And she finds an old book, a huge old book. She needs both hands to carry it to you. But she opens up a carefully marked page to show a series of illustrations and some long gone botanists in depth descriptions of these plants. Oh, I guess they do get around. And Lily nods. She closes the book and gives it a brief hug before tucking it back into her bag. I have an important question before we end Cobb's scene. Has Cobb found a hat? Cobb has not found a hat. He'll use that scene some other time when it's more uh, more appropriate, shall we say. Because we did all kinds of hat shopping in Sageport. Like, that's a thing we did. We did, but he didn't quite end up with one that he liked. Didn't quite find one that he liked. What about you, Kathleen? What's Tissa up to in the coming weeks? Tissa is gonna, if there is an opportunity to do so, finally just go get lost somewhere. Go out into the woods, look at cool moss, hang out in a tree, step across streams, listen to birds. How do you feel about making me a discovery role? <laughs> okay, yeah. Got a success for understanding since I'm going to roll understanding since I, Kathleen, still know that that's Tissa's highest <laughs> amount of dice. That's Tissa's highest amount of dice. You see a little grove. You come across a little clearing in the forest. It's blanketed with moss. It's not very large. Large enough for one or two people. There's an enormous tree whose trunk Tissa couldn't possibly reach all the way around. And it, too, is covered in a thick, soft, fluffy layer of moss. Its branches reach up and shelter this lovely little clearing from the weather. But they leave enough gaps for a good view of the sky. And poking up out of the soft bottom of the forest floor, there are flowers in all kinds of colors. Pinks and reds especially, but some adorable little white ones and some very charming and elegant blue ones as well. And it is a picture-perfect place to sit and enjoy a meal. Should we bring Gedeum to this scene or not? I have no problem with you doing that. Okay. She's not as outdoorsy as Tissa, but she's been doing <laughs> her best. <laughs> she has a lot of questions about the forest and has <laughs> been just traveling alongside Tissa. In the woods. This place just feels correct for right now. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. You're hungry, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's sit down and have something to eat then. Yeah. And she settles down on the right leans against the tree and kind of folds her legs up under herself and reaches into her bag for, you know, I'm going to say some sandwiches. (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm going to say that she, perhaps befuddlingly to Tissa, has kind of adopted Penelope's pastime (laughs) and made sure to pick up some pocket food before going on an adventure with Tissa. 
<laughs> so she has sandwiches in her bag and she has some fresh fruit, probably oranges. It's, you know, I guess this actually does make sense. Hmm? Like carrying stuff, because... Oh, yeah. I was like, this stuff? And she points to, like, a vine. You can totally eat it, but it is kind of like... It makes your mouth feel all dry. Mm. Does it taste good? It's fine. Mm. It's not as good as the berries back there. But you can just eat it, right? You mm-hmm. just Do you have to prepare it or can you just eat it? Like, and she has her knife out and she's kind of already cutting a piece off the vine. Yeah, you can just eat ah. it. It's, like I said, it does the weird thing to your mouth. Oh, you're right. You should try the, you should try the water after that now. Oh, you're right. My mouth feels all tingly. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I guess I learned something. And she laughs and laughs and gets out the water and pours two cups and hands you one. Very quickly downs hers. Hmm. Anyway, you were saying there's another thing I can eat? (laughs) (laughs) Tissa laughs and, like, just continues to tell things, and she is just delighted to do so. Yeah, and Gideon is nodding excitedly, eating her sandwich. She does take another piece of the vine and tucks it into her bag, probably for later. Hmm. So are you going to get back on the ship when you're done exploring? Uh, you know, I think I want to. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's the best way to see a whole lot of things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And there's just so much to see. There just keeps being more out there. There just keeps being more, huh? Yeah. Are you? I would like that. Okay. Yeah. I I agree with Captain Gaius Riche, but I don't think she takes it far enough. Mm. If the horrors are everywhere, and the front is everywhere, that means people everywhere need help. Mm-hmm. So there's always use for a soldier somewhere. Uh, sometimes it's fighting, and sometimes it's... It's figuring out where the well goes. Yeah. It can be all kinds of things. It's going to be all kinds of things, Tessa. Hmm. <laughs> and I guess my final question is for Kirsten. How long are we going to be staying in Stageport? Oh. Yeah, how long do you want us to be here? Yeah. Do you have a scene you want to do in Stageport? Yeah, I was thinking, like... Okay. Talk to me. I, I was thinking that Penelope would come uh, ashore uh, when Cobb came, but uh, when he went to the garden, she would uh, try to track down Stephen, see what he's up to. Yeah, this is not far from where uh, he lives with the kids. So I think if you go back to the orphanage, you're going to see, since Lily is here, him dealing with the little ones all on his own. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so when she gets up to the building, she kind of peers inside and sort of sees if if he's busy or, you know. Right now he is sitting quietly and drawing, but he's watching the kids. He looks up pretty regularly as they run around to make sure nobody's doing anything terrible. <laughs> they are, but they've learned to hide it from him by now. <sighs> he knows this though, so it's fine. Yeah, so she kind of looks at the window and when she catches his eye, she gives a little wave hello and comes to the door. Hey, Steven. And he waves as energetic as always and grins and moves over a little bit on the bench he's sitting on. Penelope sits down and uh, takes a peek at uh, what he's sketching. And And it's just a drawing of the kids running around. The page is covered in little sketches of tiny bodies in motion. Oh, wow. Wow. You are so good at uh, capturing motion. That's amazing. I've never been good at trying to get motion. How How do you do that? 
Well, thanks, Penelope. I, uh, I did study. That's true. You were... Ashwave City Academy of Arts. Yeah. Yeah, you were telling us that you were... You were studying and you were on... Sabbatical. Sabbatical. That's absolutely correct. I am still on sabbatical. Ah. Well. Well, you'll, you'll have to teach me how to do that. I, I don't know. Is there a special technique or something that you... I mean, practice. That's <laughs> how you do anything right. That's... I guess, I guess that's true. That's... Penelope pulls out her sketchbook and starts to try her hand at practicing motion. Yeah. I've been at it for a long time. And I just can't find any models that will sit still. <sighs> they do like to run around, hey? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you guys all made it back, huh? We, we did. Is everybody okay? Um... It, uh, yeah, and we, we actually, we we were able to save some people that were up in the far north. It, uh, it was, well, it was definitely a time. Oh. There were super cold, long journey, lots of ice, lots of horrors, but we made it back, so, and, yeah, now... Now we're here. Here, here. Let me show you, uh, I can show you some pictures. She flips through her book and almost has like a illustrated diary of, of events since she sailed away from Stageport and... Yeah. I think actually, I think Penelope and Steven spend like an afternoon just showing each other sketches of the places they've been and exchanging adventure stories accompanied by pencil smears and charcoal here and there. Aww. And also, I think Penelope takes the time to mail off a letter as well. Kirsten? Can, can, can we, yeah. Can, can we, can you? <laughs> Kirsten? Yes? Kirsten? Mm-hmm. You can't just say Penelope writes a letter. Please give it to us. <laughs> give us letter, please. <sighs> All right. All right. Here it goes. So Penelope pulls out her pen and flips through her her illustrated journal and uh, sits down and says, Hey everyone, I'm trying to be better about this, so here's letter number two. Um, Lots of things happened. Saw one of the biggest cities I've ever been to. Huge. Also, there's like an underground part to it. Um, And met some really cool people. Make sure the young ones aren't reading this. At this point, had one of the biggest hangovers I've ever had, but it was worth it because I met one of the coolest ladies ever. Amazing. I should bring her home one time. Oh my gosh, she would love it. Oh, oh, okay, yes. I should bring home a lot of my new friends. Anyways, uh, after Stageport, we went north because there was a, uh, I guess a army holdout that had been there, well, a city, and then an army had been holding off some whores there, and we took a big ice-breaking ship up there, and um, rescued some people, which was good. We didn't know if we would find anyone. Again, lots of underground tunnels, ancient underground tunnels. Very, very cold. And fought a lot of whores. Uh, That was terrifying. Oh, again, maybe keep this part away from the young ones. Um, and uh, we got away safely. And um, now we're back down south. And this letter is coming to you from Stageport. Anyhow, send all my love to everyone in the town. And I love you all. And um, I hope things are going well. I guess must be, you know, wintertime there. I hope you're Having lots of mom's delicious stew. Oh, I miss that stew. My God, I want stew. Anyways, love you and see you. And uh, yes, you will have to meet all my new friends. Bringing home a big crew sometime. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
All of these scenes take place after one additional scene. On the way south, the Westbreaker stops in Hrangad, partially to resupply and partially to let off a couple passengers. Several members of the Glacier Legion are looking to sign up with the Aurora Legion. Marcus gets off for his own reasons. Several of the survivors of the Glacier Legion have taken irritatingly to calling him Arch Knight. And Clara has an idea. The one thing they could successfully fortify against the horrors of the North was her masterpiece, the Westbreaker. And as she returns to her shipyard in Hrangad, she is already excitedly planning the next ship in what they no longer call the Aurora Legion First Fleet, but now simply call the Glacier Legion. And now, and now it's memory time. Hooray! Hooray! Um, actually, so for me, my memory is uh, when she had the old botany book. That was actually really touching because, um, listeners, we had a campaign before that we didn't record, and the character I was playing was the botanist who the book was from. So it was like sort of a meta game, out of game memory time, but it was just like super sweet. It's like, aw, passed down through, through campaigns and it was really sweet. Yeah. Hmm. Lily's beloved mentor was an arcanist by the name of Felicity Sachs. Yes. She was actually like responsible. Yeah. She was a very, very different person from Penelope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always amazed at the depths Kirsten sinks in this campaign, knowing how rational, level-headed, and sensible her other character was. Felicity is the Kirsten that... I would like to be. Penelope is the person <laughs> that I am. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I guess on that note, my memory was I really liked that Penelope's terrible pocket food is starting to seep into other characters. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> and you know what? I'm just going to be right out with it. I loved every single bit of Cobb's season two anime power up. <laughs> it was very dramatic. Every single bit of it. It's very cool. He does need a hat, though. He does need a hat, but he has a cool coat with a golden lotus. And he did a big cool slash, finally getting to use that signature spell piece. And, and, and yeah. Yup, it it just looked great, and it was great and cool. Yes, and in case it was not obvious, the flowers in the garden are lotuses. Yeah. So that's season one, huh? That's season one. Don't panic, listener. It's just season one. We're not done with with these jerks yet. Wow, we hit season one exactly on 52. We did. Well, recording 52, because there were two that were jammed together. Yeah. The listener doesn't know. Ah, this is true. There, There is some behind-the-scenes shenanigans, listeners, but... Listeners. There's shenanigans, listeners. High manipulation powers that we have. It's terrifying and haunting, absolutely. Yes. A little bit, and we're letting yeah. you in on it because this is our year anniversary. It is. Except it's also been more than a year, but a year's worth of sort of symphony recordings. Details. 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 Who cares? So... I would like to give my very biggest and very most genuine and very happiest thank you for playing with me, everybody. Oh, thank you. Season one has been a blast. Yeah, it has been. I can't believe it's already season one. That's yeah. I I almost feel like when looking back at uh, where we've been and stuff, I, I feel like I, me personally, have kind of been on that journey with Penelope too. It's you know, it's real memories. And thank you, listener, for your memories and for spending time with us. The crew of the Westbreaker is not going anywhere. 
to everyone who has written in to say that they liked a scene or <laughs> uh, who made a playlist for us based on the first year or lets us know that, yes, in fact, you shouldn't be drinking uh, when it's cold out. God, Kirsten, I know, you're from I know, here. I did. I, I, I had to say that as a thing too later. It's okay. Um, <laughs> who has like just enjoyed the thing and told us about it? Thank you so much. It makes us so happy. It absolutely does. We always love to hear from you. Yep. So what's coming up next is going to be a series of shorts run by everybody but me. Get bent. I'm on vacation. Big vacation time. So the gang are going to take their turns running short stories. And then when we come back, it'll be time for season two with the crew of the Westbreaker. They're not going anywhere. Don't worry. We'll be back. Hope to see you all there. We'll be there. And as always, we love you, listener. Love you. Thanks for sticking with us through season one. See you at season two. It's time for your memory time. Send us your memories. You can send us your memories on the website at peachgardengames.com, on Twitter at peachgardenrpgs. Let us know what you liked, what you're carrying forward with you as the crew of the Westbreaker goes on their next adventure. Take care, listener. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. We'll be back soon. See you. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Actual play comedy podcasts are awesome. We can all agree on this. What about if they're in outer space? What if the cast don't take themselves too seriously? If you think yes, then you will love Experience Points. We're an all-queer cast playing Starfinder and trying to survive whatever bombshells our GM Kenny can dream up for us. We're an impulsive bunch who rush into things, which has landed us in some surprising situations. Have you ever almost died in a spaceship sauna malfunction? (laughs) We have. Come join the adventure with the crew of the GD Hoopty and their surly computer AI, A-Hole, as we traverse the galaxy, leaving a trail of pink glitter in our wake. Listen to Experience Points today wherever you find fine podcasts. Then come say hi to us on Twitter at EQPoints, or... Tune in for our live streams every other Saturday at twitch.tv slash experience points, or you can now find us on YouTube. We'll be sure to unroll the pink carpet and have a cup of space camembert ready for you.